This is The Guardian. Today, did you know the rules around how you vote are changing in the UK? arrived at Ridley Road Market in East London, which is my favourite market. It's pretty lively. There are halal butchers, fruits, vegetables and quality, as you've heard behind us. It's old school East End. It's West African, it's Caribbean, Asian, Turkish. Everyone's got their little tribe here. You can pick up pretty much anything in Ridley Market. But I'm not here for my usual halal chicken and exotic fruit. But to talk to people about a new law that will change the way they're allowed to vote. Do you generally vote? Yes, I do vote by postal. And have you heard of the change in law which requires people to carry photo ID if they're going to a polling booth? No, I didn't heard about it. Not a lot of people have heard of it. A campaign was launched last week to tell the public that from May, the Elections Act means that for the first time, voters in England, Scotland and Wales will now have to carry a specific photo ID to the polling booth. The way we vote is facing the biggest shake-up in decades. New rules will mean new checks for voters and new rules for officials, meaning for the first time ever, you could be turned away from casting your vote. It marks a major cultural shift in the way that democracy works in Britain. Do you think it's a good idea? I think, yes. You know, mostly people carry the ID card, driving license. Maybe uh, people vote different, different names, so that's why maybe the government want to more secure for the fair voting. The government say that this is about securing the electoral process and preventing voter fraud. But the opposition parties point out that there is minimal evidence of election fraud in the UK, that this is a solution to a problem that doesn't exist. What's your name? Adi. Do you carry any photo ID on you? Can you tell me what's in your wallet? Driving licence. Adi, do you generally vote? Yes. What do you make of the change? I'm not sure. I think it's just weird. What's the, what's the hidden agenda? What are we trying to hide? The Conservatives say, well, our system is prone to being abused. Uh, there could be mass voter fraud and we're just tightening up democracy. I don't think that's true. I think they want to win by all force. Critics say the Conservatives are introducing voter suppression. In other words, making it more difficult for people, especially young people and marginalised communities who are less likely to vote Tory, to vote at all. Hi, hi, hi. How old are you? 20. And do you vote? Have you voted? No, I never. I don't want to. You don't want to? No, nah. well, I'm not into politics. Not into the government and that. I put my energy into other things, innit? It's already difficult to engage young voters. Will this new law make it even harder? From The Guardian, I'm Nashin Iqbal. Today in Focus, the new voter ID laws and how they could affect British democracy. P. 
Peter Walker, you're a political correspondent for The Guardian, and you've been reporting on the story of voter identification for quite a few years now. It does seem to be one that's almost slipped under the radar. Can you tell me what the government is proposing? Well, this is something that's been in the works for quite a long time. It was initially in the election manifesto for 2017, and it only came into law in April last year. So it's taken a while to do. And the basic proposition is that rather than turning up to vote and just giving your name and address or sometimes handing over your polling card, as you currently do, you're going to have to show photo ID from a kind of fairly small list of possible things. And the idea is it's meant to make it a more secure way to vote. You have to kind of comprehensively prove who you are. But critics say it's addressing a problem that doesn't really exist and it will put a lot of people off from trying to vote. Well, on that last point, it does seem that the subject of voter ID is really important and yet no one really seems to be talking about it. Can you tell me why it matters so much? Well, I mean, it depends what side of the argument you look from. If you're from the government's point of view, they say it matters a lot because people have to have faith elections are as fair as you possibly can. I mean, obviously, we've seen with the US example in the presidential election of 2020, when people think, you know, for whatever reasons, even if they're false, that there's fraud in the way that a vote took place, then the whole democratic system doesn't work nearly as well. And the government's argument is that people have got used to showing ID for all sorts of bits of everyday life. You know, the argument they trot out a lot is if you collect a parcel from the post office, you have to show some kind of ID. And they say that voting is one of the most important civic duties, perhaps the most important civic duties that we've got. So it seems fair to just have this one you know, hurdle you need to pass to prove you are who you are, because otherwise anyone could, in theory, turn up and say they're you and vote for you. Can you talk me through the, the process of how it's been worked out? Like if I go to my polling station now in a local school or a scout hut to cast a vote, what would I need to bring with me to legally vote? So to prove who you are, you have to have photo ID that doesn't necessarily need to be in date. It can be out of date, but the photo has to very much look like, you know, the person who's uh, holding that particular piece of ID. And there's about a dozen things which it can be. It can be a passport, driving license, immigration document, a national identity card from uh, an EU state and various other things, including like an MOD ID card. Um, there's some travel documents you can show, like an older person's bus pass. But one of the most controversial bits is that the equivalent documentation for people over 18 but under 25, uh, you can't use those. You can't use student ID or things like that. So it's quite a limited list. You can't bring, a student can't bring their identification for university or college. Won't this be disproportionately affecting those young people and shouldn't we expand the amount of identification that is recognised as a minimum in this bill? And it's interesting that even some of the people on the election regulation side of things who thought voter ID might not be a bad thing overall have been slightly aghast at how limited the list is. So no student ID card, no young person's Oyster card, which is a picture ID, seems quite troubling. So let's say, you know, I don't have a passport, I don't have a driver's license. Peter, how would I prove who I say I am? Well, I mean, there's two aspects to it. There have been concerns that the list of acceptable IDs is geared more towards older people rather than younger people. When I've asked why over 60s travel card is uh, allowed, but the over 18s one is not, then the response is that the kind of logistical ID hoops you need to jump through to get the over 60 ones are actually tougher 
and thus there's more likely to be fraud of people um, applying for the over 18 under 25 one. And if you're one of these people who hasn't got any of the approved ID documents, then you basically have two choices, one of which is not particularly palatable and one is, is not to vote. But there is a scheme whereby you can apply to your council, which in turn goes to a centralised scheme, to get a specialist voter photo ID document. It won't cost you anything, but you have to apply through um, a website. The way we vote is changing. You now need to bring ID. Don't have ID? Apply for a voter ID for free. Visit electoral commission. But the issue is, the parallel issue is that people who are less likely to apply for these ID documents in the first place, it's not just the cost, it's also the fact that they're disproportionately unlikely to be able or willing to, you know, go to a website or send things off by post, and thus they're less likely to get this one that they can get for no cost. Okay, it's now started to rain on Ridley Road, and if people were keen to talk to us before, they're slightly a bit wary now. Um, everyone is marching to get out of the cold and the grey and the rain. Hi. Oh, hi. Hello. We're doing a story on voter ID. Can I talk to you about it? Yeah, that's fine. How old are you? 27. And do you vote generally in the elections? Some, sometimes, but not all the time. What was the motivation to vote when you did do? I would say there was no motivation. I, my mum would just tell me to vote and I will just go and vote. <laughs> that was about it. So the government says if you don't have a valid form of ID, you can go to this website and apply for a free photo ID. Is that something that you would bother doing? No. Can you tell me why? I mean, I'm not really interested in voting, so I'm not going to waste my time going on the website just to satisfy them. So, Peter, where does the political energy for this come from? Why did the Conservatives make it such a key part of their manifesto and now make it law? It's a slightly strange one because it wasn't necessarily a key manifesto pledge. It was in the 2017 election manifesto. No one particularly noticed it. It, it was popular with some newspapers. This is about getting the basics of our elections right by updating the security and integrity of the ballot. And that's why it introduces new measures which will stamp out the potential for voter fraud from our elections. There are some who suggest this is not a problem, and I would like to disagree. And just to be clear, just how much or little electoral fraud is there in the UK or voter impersonation? Well, this is probably a good time to mention the distinction between Northern Ireland and the rest of the UK. Northern Ireland has had mandatory voter ID since 1985, which was upgraded to photo-only ID in 2003. But this was in response to a very, very specific problem connected to the sectarian problems that Northern Ireland had a lot of at the past, because there was very, very clear evidence that sectarian groups were trying to rig votes by, you know, not quite sending in the same person 20 times in a selection of, you know, hats, coats and, you know, false beards and things like that. But it was almost at that level that there was evidence of multiple voter impersonation and people voting multiple times. But in the rest of the UK, there's almost no actual evidence of voter impersonation on any scale whatsoever. I mean, one of the statistics I used in one story that I wrote is in the four years from 2015 to 2019, there were three general elections during that period, and there's a total of 153 million votes cast. And in terms of allegations of in-person voter fraud, there were allegations 88 times. <laughs> of 150 million votes cast? 153 million votes. And of those 88 allegations over the four-year period, there were a grand total of two convictions and one caution. 
So there were three offences proved. Wow. And there are some people who say, well, it's a difficult one to actually show. Because, for example, if you know, I don't know, your very, very elderly next door neighbour is not going to vote and you turn up and vote on behalf of them, then they might never know. But every expert I've spoken to have said that voter ID essentially is a solution in search of a problem. So there's been very few, in fact, barely any cases of known voter impersonation. So aside from the Conservative government, was there any call for this anywhere else? You know, there is a proper rationale for it. The uh, electoral commission, who are the elections uh, watchdog, they do say that they argued for it, not because there was a particular problem of people impersonating other people to vote, but because there was a perception amongst the public that voting was too easy, and this could be the case. And that's, you know, part of their remit. It's not only to make sure elections are fair, but this very important thing to make sure that the public believe that elections are fair. If you get a sense, even if there's no actual evidence that people think elections are not properly run, then that can be quite a toxic thing. So one of the things to point out is I get the feeling that when the Electoral Commission said this, they were probably thinking of something quite low level, like maybe people taking their polling cards. So the government or various governments, because you know this has been in place since 2017, has taken this basic idea and run with it. And they've perhaps gone for the most extreme example that they could have done. It also sounds incredibly expensive to implement. And I wonder if we have any idea of how much it will mean for polling stations and how much it will actually cost. Well, no one quite knows. There was this figure of £180 million over 10 years, which in government spending terms is kind of small change down the back of the sofa. But in terms of electoral spending, is actually quite a lot. And there is an argument it could be spent on um, other things. I think rather than the cost, the issue in terms of the practicalities is more how difficult it's going to be to implement. And I've spoken to the Association of Electoral Administrators, who are the people who both represent council people, but also speak up on behalf of the one-off election staff who get paid about £120 to man a polling station once every couple of years. And they've been warning that one of the real issues is that it's already been difficult to get electoral staff. And when you do do it without voter ID, it's a reasonably straightforward job. You know, anyone who's voted will know they have that gigantic list of names. People go in, say who they are, and they cross them off the list, give them the ballot paper, and that's it. But now they're going to have to also check someone's ID. In quite a lot of cases, you would imagine when it's first implemented, they're going to have to tell people who haven't got ID that they can't vote, which would be quite tricky. There's a lot of value judgments. There's a lot of potential cause for conflict and for kind of disagreement. And a lot of electoral officials don't want to do it. A new report paints a picture of unease from electoral officials at 70 local councils surveyed on these new proposals. 100% of people who responded to the survey said it was going to make their job either much more difficult or more difficult. And saying, we're concerned that this is not very deliverable and we've got to be conscious that elections in May next year are going to be some of the most overseen and concerning we've had for a long time. So there is a worry that it's going to see a lot of polling stations not properly staffed or find a real push to get people. I mean, I, when, I, when I listened to that about having your ID checked and looked, your photo looked at and then matched back to you, I think every single one of members of my family have been in a situation where they're told that their photos don't match <laughs> really? what their passports look like. You know, it happens all the time to various different groups of people. And I guess, you know, one of the concerns when you're talking about vulnerable people 
is also, you know, trans people being turned away if their ID does not match their current appearance. Is that something that's being talked about in terms of who gets to police whether they think someone looks like they should? Well, it's a tricky one. I mean, in terms of people who might find it harder to vote, there's two issues, one of which is people who are least likely to have ID in the first place. And trans people are one of those groups, because obviously, as you say, if you transition to a different gender, then your ID might, you know, say something completely different to, you know, the person that you are now. A lot of the other people who are less likely to have the valid ID are older people. Um, Charities representing older people said there's a lot who you know, simply don't have passports or driving licences or haven't had a valid one for 10 or 20 years. People who are poorer, people who are from immigrant backgrounds, you know, all sorts of things like that. So basically, a lot of people who are more marginalised in the first place are less likely to have the ID. When it's first introduced on the mass scale, which is going to be in the local elections in England in May, then the electoral officials on the ground, most of whom are volunteers or are paid like a one-off fee, are going to have to you know, say to someone, you know, this looks like you, you can vote, or this doesn't look like you, and you uh, and you can't vote. And the response will probably be quite angry. And that's not really what they, um, what they signed up to do. Peter, all of this is being introduced, and it's supposed to be ready for the local elections in May. It doesn't feel like a lot of people know it's happening. So do you think it will be ready in time? It's going to be ready, but whether or not it's going to work well remains to be seen. I mean, I suspect if you were to ask people in the street, do you know you're going to have to show ID to vote in May. I think most English people wouldn't know. The Electoral Commission have just now started a big media push, which is going to have posters, um, TV, radio ads, things like that, telling people um, about this. But I think in terms of the readiness, one of the issues is going to be that a lot of people will not have enough time to make sure they've got the relevant ID. One of the hiccups of this Electoral Commission campaign is that they very much hoped that this centralised government website, whereby people can apply for this council voting document if they need one, would be ready at the same time. But there's been a few hiccups getting that ready, so it's not going to be ready till later in the month. Um, A Freedom of Information request by another media organisation found out that the Electoral Commission has warned ministers last year that they think that if they did go ahead with having voter ID at these local elections in May, then there's a good chance the elections will not work in a kind of properly fair way. Um, And that's actually quite a big thing. Peter, before we get into the implications of introducing voter ID, I am curious about why the UK seems to be so different to so many other countries. I am old enough to remember when New Labour first proposed an idea back in the mid-noughties of national ID cards. Not specifically for voting, but what they said was an effort to tackle crime and illegal migration. <laughs> yes. In today's world, if we want to tackle illegal migration, crime and identity fraud, then using the new biometric technology to have ID cards is an important part of doing so. What happened there and what happened since? Well, one of the other things that a lot of supporters of voter ID say, they point out that a lot of particularly European Union countries have had voter ID for a long time and that their electoral turnouts are often better than the UK's. But the caveat with that is that this often comes in conjunction with a mandatory national ID scheme, which means that everyone over the age of 18 has to have this 
ID document, which they carry around with them a lot of the time. So that makes it easy. But the UK has had this long debate about national ID cards. They were proposed um, under Tony Blair's government. There's a lot of pushback, and particularly the Conservative Party don't like them. It cost the taxpayer £5 billion. Former Home Secretary Alan Johnson, a champion of the ID card scheme. Now within the first 100 days of the coalition, it's being scrapped. ID cards that we thought were wrong, that we thought would not work, and there was a, a civil liberties argument against them as well. This is an important sign. There is this almost cultural sense of UK politics being very, very different to European ones in the sense of a, a Liberal Conservative MP would say we don't have this tradition of, you know, you have to show your papers if asked. Mm. And to an extent that is true. And uh, there hasn't been, as far as I know, any recent polling on it, but there's not a lot of political appetite for national ID cards. And if, say, Rishi Sunat's government did decide to try and go for it, there'd be a massive pushback from particularly the right-wing papers, you know, also us too. There's not a lot of political love for it. But it does mean that implementing voter ID is, you know, that necessarily that much more tricky. Peter, the Tories were so vehemently opposed to mandatory national ID cards. And so... How has the party united behind voter ID? Doesn't it go against the very tradition of the party or the libertarian spirit of the party? There's a couple of things. I mean, one of which is that voter ID is seen as different because there is this philosophical idea that as you know, a freeborn British person, you should be able to walk around the streets without a scrap of ID on you. And I get that philosophical point. This strain of almost David Davis-ish liberal Toryism which pushed back against mandatory ID cards and pushed back against voter ID cards, has disappeared to a great extent. It's partly this long, slow move of the Conservative Party, slightly more towards the authoritarian right. Brexit has played a big part in that. And also just the exodus of a lot of more small-l liberal-minded Conservative MPs. And in their place, you got a lot of the kind of red wall 2019 Tory MPs who tend to be more on the authoritarian side of things. So it is this philosophical shift. And it's notable that amongst Conservative MPs, almost none of them have spoken out against this. David Davis has. These groups are going to be disenfranchised because they don't take that up and they will, they'll turn up at the polling station and find themselves unable to vote. This in pursuit of three convictions. But as far as I know, he's pretty much the only one. Coming up, could the attempt to strengthen election rules actually weaken democracy? Peter, do we know how these new rules could affect voter turnout at the next elections? Well, I mean, depending on what estimates you look at, between 96 and 98 percent of UK adults have got one of the ID documents which will let them vote. But there's two big problems which comes from that, one of which is that the people who haven't got it are disproportionately more marginalised. And there is a political and moral argument that we should be making it easier for them to vote, not trying to you know, push them out. But the other one is too, that one of the predictions that critics have made is that particularly in the local elections in May, Often council elections can only be won by like 10 or 15 votes or something like that. And if you're a losing candidate and you can say, well, hang on, I lost by 20 votes, but there were 200 people who were turned away from this particular polling station, then you've got a case to potentially take it to court. 
And it's much, much more toxic for an electoral system for the public to watch court cases going through of people saying, well, you know, I lost the election, but I should have won. So it's, it's kind of like a lot of political things that something can seem quite easy, but there's this law of unintended consequences. Peter, when we use terms such as voter suppression, people might naturally start thinking about US politics of individuals such as Stacey Abrams, who campaigns to boost voter turnout in highly contested seats. There is a new push to make sure that every eligible ballot is counted. It's led by Stacey Abrams, a 2018 Democratic candidate for governor of Georgia. She lost to Republican Brian Kemp by less than 2% of the vote. Abrams says that voter suppression led to her defeat. The election was Do you think it's Brian fair to draw comparisons between the US and what will now be happening in the UK? It depends how you approach this. I mean, the one first thing to say is that these US groups themselves, when I talked to them, said that from what they heard of it, the UK voter ID laws are similar to the Republican style um, voter suppression. So I spoke to the American Civil Liberties Union, the Southern Poverty Law Centre and a couple of others, and they said this is a similar tactic. And there are some people who will vehemently argue that this is a deliberate voter suppression policy. It's trying to exclude marginalised people. It's trying to give the Conservatives a better chance of winning future uh, elections. Let's go to Sarah Sultana. Sarah. Might it instead be because the Conservatives want to copy voter suppression tactics used in the USA, disproportionately disenfranchising black, Asian, ethnic minority communities, all groups less likely to vote Conservative? To an extent, it doesn't really make any difference what the intentions are, because if, you know, and it completely remains to be seen, if the impact of it is to exclude quite a few people, then it will be quite a damaging thing. Because if it puts people off, if it puts a barrier to voting which shouldn't be there in the first place, then it is suppressing the overall vote. Mm. So I think as much as anything, it comes down to this philosophical point of what is voting for? Is it this thing where you have to restrict it and limit it and make it as difficult as possible? Or or, you know, even make it difficult? Or should you, you know, if you're spending £180 million over 10 years, would it be better, rather than just targeting what pretty much everyone agrees is a marginal problem, would it not be better just to try and target people who don't vote, spend that money on trying to make people vote more? Do you have any photo ID on you? Like, would you, is that something you normally carry? Apart from my um, bus pass, that's all I take with me. Um, so the government have said that a young person's travel card or student ID card isn't valid. Neither is the Oyster card for young people, but the Oyster card for older people is. I think it's not a bad idea, but it would be hard for younger people who just reach the age of voting and can't vote because of identification, apart from their student. I'm sure their student has to have a picture, don't they? But it's not allowed in the rules. They can't carry their student ID for it. They would have to make some sort of changes for that because it's the younger people now who are going to go to vote. Peter, we've seen the Conservatives flip on this issue in the last couple of decades, but what have other parties said about it? Basically, every other mainstream Westminster party is opposed to it. The Northern Irish parties obviously have got a different view because this is something that they you know, already use. 
Lib Dems and Labour in particular are very much uh, against it. For the SNP, it's less of an issue in it's not going to be used for Scottish elections, only for UK-wide ones. But Labour and Lib Dems have been vehemently against this. Labour in particular have been pushing back uh, against it and, and they've been making the point that elections should be as easy as possible. The Prime Minister must know that by introducing compulsory voter ID, he will suppress turnout. It will disproportionately impact ethnic minorities and it will weaken our democracy. Labour will have no part in that. And that there is something quite fundamentally wrong in making it harder to vote, particularly for these more vulnerable marginalised groups, which are less likely to vote anyway. Peter, finally, this law does come off the back of some other very controversial policies, whether it's the Nationality and Borders Bill, anti-strike legislation, public order bill. It does seem to be part of a wider pattern emerging from the government. Do you think it's one we should be particularly worried about? I think it's something we've got to be aware of, and it goes back to this thing that I mentioned about the current Parliamentary Conservative Party and probably the wider Conservative Party in terms of members being more authoritarian and less small L liberal than it was in the past. And for a party which for decades had this certainly quite strong wing of people saying the government should keep out of people's lives and, you know, we shouldn't police or impose authority on people in too rigorous a way. That has certainly shifted. And it's partly just the way that wider politics has gone. You know, you have a government which is making it harder to vote. You have a government that's making it harder to protest. You have a government that's making it harder to strike. And on each individual case, ministers will say, well, you know, these were problems which needed to be fixed. But on a cumulative level, it is certainly a more populist, authoritarian, less liberal view. And I think it's something we need to kind of keep a look at, that these harder right populist elements are certainly in the ascendant within the Conservative Party. Peter, thank you so much. Thank you very much. That was Peter Walker. You can follow his reporting on this issue at theguardian.com. And that's it for today. This episode was produced by Tom Glasser, Rose Della Rabiti and Natalie Catena. Sound design is by Solomon King and the executive producer was Phil Maynard. We'll be back tomorrow. This is The Guardian.